Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Excited to talk about week one recap. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify. Follow us on Instagram and X, not Twitter. The artist formerly known as Twitter, X. You can also send me an email, Talk at gmail.com. Also want to give a plug to the Big Ten Huddle Podcast, uh, JR, who hosts that podcast, uh, had me on as a special guest. It dropped Monday morning. Uh, we reviewed week one there, along with Russ from the Boiler Express podcast. Great guys. Um, I'm hoping to get them on the pod at some point, uh, which will most likely be determined both by my ability to figure out technology and also just scheduling, but just great guys, great minds for, for ball. And just, we just had fun. We had fun talking about ball. So check that out on YouTube, check out the big 10 huddle podcast podcast and the boiler express podcasts on Apple and Google and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome dudes. Follow them on, on X as well. Really good guys. I also want to give a shout out to GP Bootleg Eleven who left a review. Really want to thank you for your comments. And a couple things that you mentioned were just my my take on the Big Ten West. And listen, I I love it when people comment on what I think, whether they agree or disagree. And we're actually going to get into some of what you you mentioned about my thoughts about the West. Uh, and we're going to be able to do that because we're recapping all the games. And so I, I really want to dive in to some of the, the games, of the, the all the games of the week. I want to dive into that. I want to get to my big 10 power rankings. I'm not going to get into my top 10 this week just because as I'm recording, Clemson is playing. They're in a dogfight right now with Duke, which I'm not too surprised by. Also, I not going to be surprised if Clemson loses week one because that's about par for the course for my playoff picks is I always pick one team who just blows it big. Could be Clemson, could be Ohio State for all I know after their game with Indiana. But we're just going to dive right in. So again, JP Bootleg, really appreciate your thoughts. Uh, You were questioning some of my Big Ten West predictions and I want to just get right to Nebraska and Minnesota. I, I think you know one of the one of the critiques and, and again I appreciated it was you were asking how could I pick Nebraska to struggle so much when I have said all along that coaching is the problem. The reality is culture takes a long time to move on from. And that's why I don't think Nebraska is going to do well this year. And I think we saw that play out this past this past week, right? The game changed on a fumble and a face mask penalty in the fourth quarter. You, you can talk about this, the play calling with Satterfield all you want. 
And it was bad, right? Like, situational play calling was atrocious. But it was a fumble and a face mask penalty that allowed Minnesota to get that game-tying touchdown, which was a sensational grab by Daniel Jackson, by the way. Just an incredible toe-tap, toe-drag. It was awesome. And I've been saying, look out for Daniel Jackson, okay? As a wide receiver, he's a good-looking wideout. And they've got a few, right? They, I thought uh, Crooms played well. They did not have Ottman Bell in this game. But I, with Nebraska, I, I'm excited about their potential. I thought their defense played better than I expected. Although, I, I don't know how much that was good Nebraska defense and bad Minnesota offense. We'll get to Minnesota in a minute. But my, my, my hesitation, one, is I, Sims at quarterback, they've got to figure out how to run an offense with him because he's dynamic, he's got good legs, but his, you know, through three picks. And I am, I, I just think culture takes a long time. And while I do, I do trust Matt Rule, I really trust Matt Rule. But if you look at his career trajectory, it's, you know, Baylor, Temple, each of his first seasons, I think is one win at Temple, two wins at Baylor. It took a year. And by the way, you know, who's not taking one year is Colorado, which is why I think Nebraska starts 0-2. It's not because I think Matt Rule's uh, not the answer. It's because I think it's going to take a long time, like longer than Nebraska fans want. And actually, if I'm a Nebraska fan, I'm actually encouraged by Thursday night. I don't think the sky is falling. I think it's the reality that your culture was worse than you realized, and it's going to take time. You can't just bring in a bunch of transfers and a new coach and be good overnight. Nebraska's been a bottom feeder Big Ten program for the past two years. For the past four years. That's where they've been. You don't become a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team overnight. So if they do, like, that's a huge, huge win for Nebraska. But you got to understand where they've been. Now... I want to talk Minnesota for a minute. And and uh, you were absolutely boot, uh, JP bootleg was at G, GP bootleg was absolutely right about this. I underestimated the loss of John Michael Schmitz and that offensive line. They could not run to save their lives against what I think is probably a, a pretty mid defense in Nebraska. And so I, I thought uh, Kaliak Manis, he had his moments. I thought his arm was live. I thought he made some good decisions. I also thought he made some bad ones. But the reality is this this Minnesota team cannot survive on the pass alone. Kaliak Manis is not experienced enough. And as good as these receivers are, I, they need a running, a running game. And Sean Tyler and that offensive line was not it on Thursday. So I, I was wrong on Minnesota. I, I'm very concerned about them moving forward. I'm actually more excited about Nebraska than I am Minnesota. I thought I think Minnesota got lucky. Um, I, I will say this, though. Tyler Newbin, first-team All-Big Ten safety. That dude's awesome. 
That dude's great. Anchors that back end. Just awesome, awesome. Uh, let me move to Central Michigan, Michigan State. There's not much to talk about. You know, in that game, I, I picked it 38-21. Uh, really what I thought was it would be close in the first half and Michigan State would pull away. It's exactly what, I, it's exactly what happened. Um, Michigan State pulled away. Uh, Kim, the quarterback, looked somewhat decent. But reality, there's just not much you're going to be able to, to know from this game because Central Michigan, honestly, is a, probably a middle-of-the-pack MAC team. Michigan State did what they're supposed to do. I'm still – I'm not sure what to make of them. Kim played well, and that, that bodes well for them. But I just don't – I don't think you can take much away from it. And the, the fact that they struggled in the first half – Gives me concern. It gives me concern. Number two, Michigan uh, defeated East Carolina 30-3. to That game, if I'm being honest, that score just looks like kind of meh. It was over at halftime. Like, they really just shut it down. I mean, Michigan, you know, they went three and out their first series because they, they were pinned in, in – their own five-yard line. But then afterwards, they just did what they wanted. J.J. McCarthy played really well. Uh, I think has established himself as a top-three quarterback in this league. You know, the running backs, I don't think were great. Um, I'm still wondering if Blake Corum is a little dinged from his injury last season. Uh, but the, the reality is they'll, they'll figure out the running game. I think East Carolina was loading up to stop the run, which gave J.J. a lot of time to throw. And they got up 30 to nothing, and they kind of shut it down. And so not much to really – again, not much to take away, except that they were, they were dominant like they were supposed to be. They were dominant like they were supposed to be. Ohio State-Indiana, this game huh, – what do I say about the Buckeyes? And what do I say about what do I say about Indiana? I, I, I'll start with Indiana. I don't understand what Tom Allen's game plan was. I don't think anybody expected the triple option or like a, a shotgun triple option. It was a little weird. They they certainly had some guys that flashed. You know, Jalen Lucas. Uh, I think he's going to give anyone nightmares if he's healthy. I hope he's 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 he is healthy after what looked like a pretty bad ding uh, in the I think the third quarter of that game. You know the the number forty four. I, I missed his name, but number forty four on defense for Indiana is he's legit. Like he he's a he's a game wrecker and he's he's really good. You know I think Taven Jackson showed that he can make some plays as a runner and and as a thrower. There wasn't much for Indiana to take away offensively, but there were definitely some flashes of things where they could at least give maybe give teams some issues. I still am not very high on them, but I think they they could get a couple more wins than I expected. Um I I think at least on defense, I thought they, they played at least somewhat well. I, I think for Ohio State, defensively, 
you know, you're you're as encouraged as you can be, right? They played a team that doesn't have many offensive weapons, but they they didn't do anything flashy. Like they didn't play, they didn't blitz, they didn't do much of that. They just kind of played their base defense the whole time, or at least that's what it seemed like. And they didn't uh, really let any big plays go go by. They they kept everything in front of them. They got a lot of penetration on the defensive line, a uh, number of tackles for loss. There wasn't going to be many opportunities for sacks. There wasn't going to be many op- opportunities to really rush the passer because they didn't really drop back much. So if 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 you were coming in and concerned about the defense, I, I don't think there's much you can take away other than, okay, they dominated the way that they should. You know, they didn't let Cam Camper get, go crazy on them. They didn't let the triple option look confuse them. They didn't get lulled to sleep and let a, a big time pass reception go by. You know, they, they, they allowed a few. I think there were th- maybe three plays of 15 yards or more, but nothing that was crazy, right? And so that's a good sign. The offense, oof. If they don't figure out the offense, this team's going eight and four. And I have confidence in the players. Like I thought Kyle McCord had some really good moments. I thought the running backs had good moments. Chip Trainum, man, that dude, he's I I love the potential of Travion. But man, in in terms of vision and just toughness, breaking tackles, he doesn't do it. But train him. He's got a ju- little jump cut. He's got some wiggle, and guys bounce off him. Like I, I'm not sure he's not RB one for this team, which is crazy, because he was brought in as a linebacker. So it's it's insane. The game plan, though, five catches, 34 yards for Marv and Emeka combined. That would be ridiculous if that was just one of them that was their stat line. Five catches for 34 yards between the top two receivers in college football. That is a reflection of bad play calling and honestly bad coaching. And that's where my concern is with this Ohio State team. The offensive line needs to get better for sure. But I don't understand when your best position group is wide receivers, why on earth do you not put four wide all the time or three wide in a tight end and just go after it? Like, just short routes, out routes, you know, target your best players. And it just seems like Ryan Day has not learned a darn thing from Georgia. And I get it. You're in a quarterback battle, and you're not sure who you can trust. You know what would build confidence? If you trust your quarterback. And not only that, what really really concerns me is his whole thing was, we're going to play both quarterbacks, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. 
And he says, we can't bench a guy if he makes a mistake. We have to let him play through it. Comacord throws a pick. He gets benched for a series. Devin Brown goes in for three plays, and he hands he hands off twice and then tries to run QB power. And then he switches them again, and Devin Brown gets no meaningful snaps. So basically, in public, you tell us you're going to do one thing, and then you do the complete opposite. I've said it before on this podcast, at some point you are who you are. And Ryan Day, for some reason, when he feels pressure, he clenches as a play caller. Which is why he needs to give it up, quite honestly. Because I think he's, he, he has the potential to be a tremendous coach. And he has been very good for Ohio State. But these moments, he, he just does not let things go with the exception of the Georgia game. And it's like, dude, why? Just let it rip. Indiana was not going to beat them. So I just, I don't understand this back and forth kind of ridiculousness. Um, I I don't know what to, obviously I'm an Ohio State fan. I don't know what to make of this. I, I don't think it's panic mode quite yet. Like, I think the offensive line certainly has a lot of work to do. But where I, my biggest concern is not the players. My biggest concern is when this when Ohio State goes and plays Notre Dame in three weeks, is are we going to get dialed in aggressive Ryan Day or are we going to get conservative buttoned up Ryan Day? And is he going to have it figured out who his quarterback is? Because if you just roll the tape, Kyle McCord's quarterback won. But Ryan Dake is is saying again, well, we really do want to get Devin Brown valuable snaps. Well, you can't you can't play it that way, like you did Saturday, if that's the case. So I, I, I that's my biggest concern with Ohio State. Kudos to Indiana. I thought they they had a really good defensive game plan. Uh, Matt Gutierrez, former Ohio State assistant, now the defensive coordinator for Indiana, he may have had something to do with that. But again, I thought Indiana played as well as they could on defense, but also I thought Ohio State clenched up a bit. Let's let's talk Buffalo, Wisconsin. I I said and and GP, you 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 were right on this at least for the time being. I'm a I was a little bit overzealous about my Tanner Mordecai hype. Granted, Wisconsin ran the ball a lot. You know, they they ran it up and down. Ches Malusi had an 89-yard touchdown run in this game. You know, both him and Braylon Allen uh, ran over the Bulls, which they could, right? The Bulls are a a lesser team. It it took Wisconsin a couple quarters to figure it out, right? It was 14-10 at half, but then Wisconsin just wore him down. I I do think Tanner Mordecai is... Better, it will be better. I I just think it's probably going to take him time to get used to the system, get used to the players. I think part of why I'm high on Tanner Mordecai also is that, yes, he struggled against Power 5 competition when he was at SMU. 
he also now has power five, comp, uh, power five personnel to play with. So I think that will be a big deal. So Buffalo was a, a decent test for Wisconsin. Ultimately, I think it was it was good for them. They they're working out the kinks. Obviously, a, a bigger bigger test next week. I think it's next week against Washington State. Um, that will tell us more. I think about this Wisconsin team. Utah State, Iowa. Iowa wins 24-14. It was 14-0 in like the first five minutes of the game. And it was like, man, get – I don't know what happened to Brian Ferris, but give him an extension. And now after that, I think Iowa fans would tar and feather me if I said that out loud. Because they finished with 24 points against a pretty bad Utah State team. Now, granted, it was 21-3 at half. So in a sense, Iowa could kind of just kind of milk this away, you know. And Brian Ferentz, 17 points, you know. 17 points, you know, that's that's a lot of offense, right? That's that's not bad. I thought Cade McNamara played well. I think he is certainly an upgraded quarterback for them. You know, he 17-30 for 191 yards, two touchdowns. I'm a little concerned about the run game. You know, Caleb Johnson only had 63 yards. So, you know, a little concerned about that. You know, I'm curious to see if this defense, uh, you know, kind of rounds into form. So it's it's weird to know. It's hard to really know what to expect, right? Like, I thought Iowa would have won by more. Which I know as as time goes on, you're like, um, why are you expecting that? I don't know. I, I'm I am concerned about the Hawkeyes. You know, I still I'm I'm curious to see see more from them. They play Iowa State next week. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that rivalry game. Again, Iowa with a ten point win. It it wasn't all that close, but it was still, you know, it was ho-hum. It was ho-hum. It was a Brian Ferentz classic. Uh, Towson, Maryland, I don't feel like we need to talk about much. It was 38-3, uh, to three, or 38-6. to six. You know, they got up 28-3 and, in a sense, just kind of coasted. Tugavailoa did well. Four, four first-half touchdowns. There's not much to really say other than it's Towson. That's what Maryland should have done. Uh, they just kind of shut it down a little bit earlier than I thought they would. Let's talk about some of the maybe the, the closer games or maybe the more surprising games. I, I I said and I called Fresno State upsetting Purdue. Mikey Keene, transfer from UCF, threw four touchdown passes, really only had one bad play against, against Purdue as the pick in the fourth quarter. I said this on the Big Ten Huddle podcast, and it was actually the Russ over at Boiler Express expressed, I think, very similar sentiments to me. I Fresno State's a good team. Like this is a their best non-conference opponent, in both of our opinions, actually, all three of us. I think Jr. Russ and I all said Fresno State 
is the best non-conference opponent that Purdue will face, and that's including Virginia Tech, that's including Syracuse. And you were two, or really a minute away, 59 seconds away from winning that game. And a big reason, and again, you know, I got comments about how could you think Purdue is going to be somewhat decent this year or could beat teams like Nebraska or anything like this. And the reason is simple. Hudson Card might be the best quarterback in the West. He he didn't play great, but he certainly had good moments in this game. Maccabee had good moments in this game. And if they have quarterback play, Ryan Walters will get them settled down on defense. The reality is they lost a lot on defense and they're learning new systems. So it's going to take them time. But the fact that they're, they have a quarterback who can drive the ball downfield, the fact that they have a running back who is, I think, an underrated weapon, that really helps them out. And I, I really do think that Purdue has a, a decent shot to get bowl eligible, which is not what I would have thought even a couple months ago when I was processing all that Purdue had lost and processing a new coach. But it's, it is interesting, and especially watching other teams in the West, I, as, I assume that Minnesota would be better than Purdue. I assume that Illinois would be better than Purdue. I assume that Iowa and Wisconsin are better than Purdue. I, I'd still say Wisconsin and Iowa are my two favorites in the West. I'm not sure it's as clear-cut after this first week. Now, week one is the, the week of overreaction, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to declare that Purdue is, you know, some world beater, that they're definitely going to win the West. But just realize, I thought Purdue acquitted themselves very well. That Hudson Card acquitted him very well, especially bringing them back uh, in the fourth quarter. And ultimately, this was a it was a it was a heartbreaking loss to a a team that was ranked in the top twenty five last year. So again, hats off to the Bulldogs. And I think I think Purdue Purdue fans have a lot to be excited about, despite the fact that they lost. Um, I I mentioned that I thought the best game of the weekend would be Toledo Illinois. I didn't think it'd be quite this close. Toledo led nineteen to seven at one point. Uh, DeQuan Finn, you know, is a game wrecker at quarterback. I think he is he's dynamic. I think he gives players fits. And the reason why I was really concerned about this for Illinois is the fact that they lost so many in the back end. And not just experience, but quality, quality players. And so the fact that Illinois had lost that, they had lost Chase Brown, new quarterback, I was like, oh, this could be a little weird. I I still didn't think it would be this close nor did I think Toledo, it would look like Toledo was in control for a good chunk of the game. So if you're Illinois, what do you make of this game? Well, first, I do think you have a good quarterback. Like Luke Altmeyer, I, I would argue that Altmeyer, Card, and I'm, I'm still on the Tanner Mordecai train, I think those are your three best quarterbacks in the Big Ten West. He's got good athleticism, he's got a good arm, and he's got some weapons to throw to, right? 
So I think that's that's encouraging. You know, the defense wasn't great, but when they needed to make plays, they made them. Interception return for a touchdown, and, and that was after Altmeyer threw a pick. They they responded when they needed to, and, and they stopped the bleeding when they needed to. And so that to me signals that A, Illinois is not gonna back down from a challenge. That Altmeyer is a gamer, and, and he's he's pretty good. And they and they have answers. Here's my concern. As good as Toledo is, they're not at the caliber of Fresno State. They're not at the caliber of, I think, half the Big Ten West. In fact, my guess is Toledo would probably beat Northwestern. I'm not sure they'd beat anybody else. So if you're Illinois, granted, I think this is more matchup-driven and experience-driven. Like, I think down the road, later in the season, Illinois would probably win by a, a more comfortable margin. But if you're Illinois, that's where my concern is, is, okay, we've got to regroup and kind of figure out how we can we can start faster, how we can have more answers earlier in the game. But aside from that, you know, good good on Illinois to finish, uh, to finish, to come from behind, shows the character of the team. I think, again, I, I'm a huge Bielema believer, so good good on them. Penn State, West Virginia. Drew Aller, I think easily, is QB1 in the conference. It's just West Virginia. I get that. West Virginia is not very good, and I know Michigan fans in particular are going to be mad when I say this. JJ JJ is good. He can make all the throws. He can escape. If you want to see a prototypical NFL quarterback, go watch Drew Drew Aller. The way he navigates the pocket, he's above average athleticism. His arm strength is absurd. He's got good touch. I I saw everything I needed to see from him. He checked all the boxes. Now, the the tests will get tougher. He will play much better defenses. And so I think the offense, the offense sputtered a little bit for sure. There were drops. There were were other things. It's week one. I, I I felt like Penn State was firmly in control throughout the game. My one concern, and I said it in my preview, that defensive line is light up front, and West Virginia was able to run the ball. And if West Virginia can run it, you got to worry about a lot of other running teams. Michigan, most, uh, I think Michigan most notably, right? And that's the game that I think will at least mostly determine the Big Ten East. Now, I, I said I, I thought it would be a three-way tie with Ohio State. After this past weekend, I'm not so sure about that. I, I'm still circling Penn State-Michigan as, as maybe the most important game of the Big Ten at this point. And you've got to figure out a way to stop running teams. And what they did this past weekend is not going to cut it. Um, so they got to figure out a way to bolster that defensive line. But you've got a quarterback. And he's the best quarterback I've seen at Penn State, potentially the best quarterback I've seen at 
Penn State maybe in my lifetime. Maybe not since Kerry Collins. Like this is this is a legit dude. And no, that's no disrespect to Trace. It's no disrespect to Sean Clifford. But this guy, he is, I think, head and shoulders above those guys. And I'm excited to see how he progresses. Um, also, talk about a game from Keandre Lambert-Smith. My gosh, that guy had a game. I know he had a, he had a drop. But two touchdowns, had the big play to open that game. Good for him. Lastly, we'll talk about uh, Northwestern Rutgers. I, there's not much to say. I'm ex- I think Rutgers did what they needed to do. I think the score is a little deceptive because it, you know they were up 17-0 at half. But really they had, I think, one really long drive. And then I think they had a short field on another score. And then in the second half, they had a short field and another score. The reality is neither of them generated a ton of offense. And uh, Rutgers, I think, should have been able to do more on offense against, no offense, a bad Northwestern defense. Um, they, they only, they didn't get to 300 yards. Now, they also held Northwestern to just over 200 yards. But again, I, I don't know what that means because I think Northwestern is not very good. I don't think Northwestern wins. They may not win a game this year. And I'm sorry to say that about Northwestern, but this is a bad team. Part of it is is just all the circumstances around it. They don't have a lot of talent. I like Manungai. I like Wimsat. I, I I think they played okay. But the reality is they're going to face defenses that can take those guys away more effectively. And so good for Rutgers for getting a conference win. I, again, these two teams might be the worst two teams in the conference. After watching week one. Again, week one, it's hard to make, you know, definitive conclusions after week one. But that's where I'm at right now with these teams. Let me just do my, my power rankings real quick, and I'll, I'll send you out. 14, obviously, Northwestern. 13, I have Indiana for now. I, I just don't know what to make of Indiana because were they better than I thought and like actually did some damage against Ohio State? Or was Ohio State clunky and Indiana was the beneficiary? I don't know. I just have them 13th. I have Rutgers 12. Again, I, I I don't think it bodes well that they only could score 24, especially when Northwestern couldn't do anything in that game. I have Nebraska 11. Uh, I think Nebraska showed a little bit more than I expected. Minnesota 10. I have Min- Michigan State at 9 and Illinois at 8 and Purdue at 7. I'm just going to be very honest. I think Purdue to Nebraska is a big mess. I just don't know where to put teams. And the only reason why I have like I Minnesota over Nebraska because Minnesota beat Nebraska. I have Michigan State over Minnesota because they at least looked like they had somewhat of a competent offense, albeit against a lesser team. And it, I, I wouldn't say it was that great. Um, I have Illinois above Michigan State because I think Illinois played a better MAC team. But I'm not very confident about that. 
And then Purdue, I think, played the best opponent out of all those five teams and probably should have won the game. So 7 through 11 feels like a big clump that I'm excited to see work its way out. And then 6, I have Iowa. 5, I have Maryland. 4, Wisconsin. 3, Ohio State. Penn State, number 2. And Michigan, number 1. I I think Michigan handled their business the best. And again, it's Eastern Carolina. But until I see more ability for Penn State to stop the run, and, and honestly, Ohio State and Wisconsin have to have better showings if they want to get up into the top two. Um... Ohio State, I think, could drop further. They've got to figure stuff out. But I I don't know if anyone can disagree with the top four. Like, I think Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin. And I think after that, Maryland and Iowa, you could kind of flip. Like, Maryland played nobody. And so, and and Iowa, Iowa was Iowa. You're like, 24 to 14 could have been a 50-point blowout with with another team, but that's just the way Iowa plays. So I don't know. But that's it'll be fun to see how things work itself out. I'll be recording a picks podcast, and it'll post either Thursday morning or Friday morning. I'm not sure yet when that'll post. But keep it locked in here at the Big, Fen- Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Again, Apple, Google, Spotify. Tell your friends. Share it on social media. We're excited, and go check out the Big Ten Huddle podcast. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and the Boiler Express. Great podcasts, great guys. Again, Zach Guggenheim signing off. Take care. God bless.